0: Allah these prophets are those people whom Allah guided and because they are guided Fabi. So from their guidance take an example. Take an example from how they were, from their behavior, from their repentance, from their turning to Allah, from their reliance on Allah, their close connection with their Lord Fabihu. قُلْ لَا أَسْأَلُكُمْ عَلَيْهِ أَجْرَى Say, I do not ask from you for this any reward for delivering this message to you. إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا lil لِلْعَالَمِينَ This is nothing except a reminder for the people of the worlds. So in this ayah, Allah tells us to take the prophets as an example for us. And yesterday, we ended the class with the note that we have to learn about the prophets, right? Or we have to remind ourselves at least about the lives of the Prophets, their ways, their actions, so that we can take them as an example. And I requested you to do something. What was my request? Not homework. It was a request. What was that? To read or to listen to something about Adam a.s. So were you able to? Alhamdulillah. Those of you who did, barakallahu feekum may allah bless you in your efforts and your knowledge in your time in your learning and may allah really bless you in your actions as well inshallah so anything interesting you came across yes okay whose lecture did you listen to yes there is a whole series of lectures by mufti ismail menk for free on youtube right and you can actually listen to them whenever you want and um, they're very very beneficial Right? Especially the examples that he gives and the way he relates it to your life, it's so inspirational. And obviously, uh, his humor as well, which you can never you know, miss out on. Alhamdulillah. So anything interesting you learned about? Yes, go ahead. The height of Adam a.s. She learned that he was 90 feet tall. Amazing. Because at the beginning, human beings were bigger in their size and their stature. And as time passed on they became smaller in their size allahu a'lam this is why maybe dinosaurs were also really huge hmm? yes yes so i just again yes that adam when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created him and then he blew the ruh into him what happened he sneezed and when he sneezed he said Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded to him. So, a big lesson for us. A big example for us. That anything that happens, praise Allah. And Alhamdulillah, when? At the beginning. The first words that a human being ever pronounced were what? Praise to Allah. The Qur'an also begins with what? Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Makki surah, some of them, surah anam begins with Alhamdulillah. All praise for Allah. Surah Al-Kahf also begins with Alhamdulillah. So good. Anything else? One more point I'd like to... Yes, that how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the universe and then He created Adam a.s. Not that human beings evolved from something else. So this strengthens your iman in the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Creator. So inshallah, my request to you is that please continue to listen to such lectures, and whenever there is anything interesting you come across, make sure that you share with everybody, insha'Allah. Okay? Alright, let's continue. Wama and not. qadaru قدر they valued, they appraised Allah, Allah, as is right, qadrihi of His value, His appraisal. They have not valued Allah, they have not estimated Allah correctly. They do not. Give Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the value that He deserves. Why? Because they don't understand Him. Why? Because they don't even bother to learn about Him. When is it that you value someone? When you learn about them. For example, if there is a person who is highly educated, hmm, and you come across them, you might ignore them. But if you learn that they are highly educated, then what will you do? You will give importance to them. So when is it that you can give someone the respect that they deserve? When you know about them. So the majority of the people, majority of mankind, they do not respect Allah as they must respect Him. They don't value Him. They don't worship Him as they should. They don't thank Him as they should. Why? Because they're ignorant of Him. And this is the reality of majority of the people. And even those who know Him, even those who believe in Him, reflect on yourself. How much is it that we give importance to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala? It is sad, unfortunate that we know that He is the greatest, but yet we give importance to people, sometimes ourselves, sometimes the things of this world, sometimes our vain desires, over Who? Allah Azza wa Jalla. So it's as though a complaint is being mentioned here. Wa ma اللَّهَ حَقَّ qadrihi. And the word qadar, by the way, from qadaru. Qadr, the root letters are qaf, dal, ra, which is to assess the value of something, to evaluate something. So they have not evaluated him correctly. And as a result, they don't respect him enough, they don't value him correctly, they don't extend to him the honor, the grandeur that truly befits him. And especially they disrespect him when? إِذْ قالوا, When they have said, Who? The people. What did they say? That man not anzala. He sent down Allahu Allah ala basharin on human being min shayin anything. Especially when people say that Allah has not revealed anything to human beings. In reality, what are they doing? They're disrespecting Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Because to have this belief about Allah that He created people and then He just left them. To be in their ignorance. To never know where they are from. To never know about their origin. To never know about their destination. What does it show? That na'udhu billah, God doesn't care about people. That Allah doesn't care about them. He just created them and left them to suffer. Left them in their ignorance. But this is not the case. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His mercy, it demands that He also guides people. Think about it. If Allah has provided for you, for your body, nutrition, in the best of forms, water, food. You know, think about all these amazing foods that Allah has created. Why? So that your body can be healthy, your body can be strong. When it gets sick, it can recover. Think about how much Allah has provided for your physical needs. You think Allah would not provide for your spiritual needs? And if someone says that, that Allah has not provided people with their spiritual needs, you know, for their spiritual needs, He hasn't sent down any guidance, He hasn't clarified to the people what the truth is, then this kind of belief about Allah is very, very unfair. It is basically disrespecting Allah. So, وَمَا قَدَرُوا اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدْرِهِ إِذْ قَالُوا مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ بَشَرٍ من شيء. So when a person refuses to believe in the Qur'an, refuses to believe in the revelation, it is not just kufr it is not just disbelief it is also disrespect to allah it is also disrespect to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala قُلْ say say to the people ask them man who anzala he sent down al-kitaba the book which book alladhi that which jaa bihi he came with it who musa musa عليه السَّلَامِ that many people they believe that musa alayhisalam was given a book he had a scripture a divine book which is why his followers are known as who? ahlul kitab people of the book right people who were given the scripture so you believe in that scripture who sent down that scripture who sent down the torah people will say allah sent down the torah it was divine right god sent it to the children of israel so Allah asks, مَنْ أَنزَلَ الْكِتَابَ الَّذِي جَاءَ بِهِ Musa, Which was nuran, a light, wahudan, and a guidance للناس for the people. Because you see, from amongst mankind, the Yahud also, the people of the book, the Christians, the Jews, they refuse to believe in the Qur'an. I said, no, Allah has not sent any scripture after this. The only scripture is the Torah, the Injil. So when they say such a statement about Allah, in reality they are disrespecting Him. They're not evaluating Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy correctly. Because to think that that scripture which they have is sufficient, what does it mean? That Allah no longer cares about human beings? Because especially the state of the Torah and the Injil, what is it today? it is corrupted. People don't even know what is accurate in it and what is not accurate. What is it that Allah actually said and what is it that people actually added from their own imagination. So for them especially to say that Allah has not revealed the Qur'an, this is really disrespect to Allah. So Allah asks them that who is it that sent down the book which Musa brought? The Torah. You believe that it was from Allah. So if Allah sent down the Torah earlier, you think He wouldn't send down the Qur'an now? Of course he can, and he would, and it was Nur Wahudilinnes, a light and a guidance for the people. But how did you treat the book, the Bani Israel, the people of the book? What did they do to the Torah? Tajalunahu, you all make it qaratis, qaratis, plural of qirtas. We have learned the word qirtas earlier. What is qirtas? Hm? A page, a parchment, a sheet on which something is written. So Allah sent a book. And you divided it into so many parchments. What does it mean, into so many scrolls? You see, if there's a book, hmm, then all the content is kept together. You know, as you read the book, your understanding will improve, it will increase. But if the book is in parts, and you lose one part, and you lose another part, then how will your understanding be? Incomplete. Has it ever happened to you that you're reading a series hmm? and then you can't find, let's say the fourth volume, the fourth one. You can't find it in the library at all. And then you wait for a week, you wait for two weeks and you're like, you know what, I'll just read the fifth one now. If you do that, will you ever have that satisfaction in your heart? Never. You can't start the fifth one until you've read the fourth one. Correct? So the people of the book, what did they do to the Torah? They divided it into separate sections. And they weren't kept together. And as a result, what happened? Much of the book was lost. Much of the book was lost. This is why we see that, you know, scrolls were discovered. And they give some other information, different information. Why? Because the whole book that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed, it was divided up. It wasn't kept together. It wasn't consolidated. So as a result, people lost so much of it.
1: Assalamu alaikum. I've actually met just recently uh, someone who's Catholic. And he himself pointed
0: out that, you know what, I don't even know if the Bible is accurate. Because he's like, I've seen so many different versions of it. And I've seen so many, like, I don't even know if what the Bible says now is what it actually said. And he's like, I'm Catholic. I'm supposed to be, you know, the hardcore Christian. But I don't know myself if it's true or not. So having this kind of uncertainty about the book... What kind of iman is going to be built on that? And what kind of actions are going to be built on such faith? So تَجْعَلُونَهُ قَرَاطِيسٍ You've divided it up. تُبَدُونَهَا And you reveal it. Meaning, you expose some of it. وَتُخْفُونَ And you hide kathiran much. Whatever you like, you publicly mention it, you let it be known to the people. And whatever that you don't like, what do you do? You hide it. وَتُخْفُونَ kathira, You hide much of it. And we see that today, people have a very similar attitude with the book of Allah. Like for example, the Qur'an. Everybody knows there are 114 chapters in it. But many Muslims, when they want to recite the Qur'an, they will not pick up the Qur'an that has 114 chapters. Rather, they will pick up a book hmm, that has maybe 7 chapters, 7 surahs, right? or 5 surahs. Have you heard of such things? Bunch surah and I don't know what all. Right? So it's unfortunate that if they want to read the Qur'an, what will they read? Surah Yasin. Only Surah Yasin. So this is literally dividing the Qur'an up into Qur'atis. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only wanted us to read Surah Yasin, why would He reveal the entire Qur'an? Hmm? If He wanted us to read only a few select surahs, only five chapters of the Qur'an, then why would He reveal the entire Qur'an? So تجعلونه قَرَاطِيْسَ تبدونها وتخفون كثيرا You hide much of it. You don't read it. You don't understand it. You don't apply it. Allah says, addressing all mankind, especially the people of the book, that وَأُلِمْتُمْ And you have been taught. Meaning now, when this Quran has been revealed, you have been taught, you have been made to learn ما that which لَمْ تَعْلَمُوا You did not know earlier. If people reject the Qur'an, then what are they doing? They're depriving themselves of knowledge, of reality, of knowing the truth. Because in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taught people that which they were not taught before, which they did not know of before. There are many things that human beings are ignorant of. The only way they can learn about those realities is how? If they study the book of Allah, if they study the Qur'an. If they study every book in this world, every research, everything, they can still not know about those realities unless and until they learn the Qur'an. Ma lam this is why the scholar said that if you wish to gain knowledge, then study the Qur'an. If you want to gain ilm, then what should you do? Learn the Qur'an. Because in the Qur'an you will find all types of ilm. All types of ilm. If you really reflect on the Qur'an, the verses, you go deeper into the words, really there is so much to learn. Not just about language, hmm? not just about the stars and the moon and the sun, but from the calendar to the psychology of people to the human development to different, different sciences. Every kind of science, literally you can learn about it from the Qur'an. You will find its origin in the book of Allah. You will find something about it in the Book of Allah. Anything at all. You know, there was a man, he once said to a scholar that you say that everything is in the Book of Allah, but, you know, so many things I haven't found its mention in the Quran. So he said, you know, read. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِكْرِ إِنْ كُنتُمْ لَا That ask the people of knowledge if you don't know about something. All right? So, Allah guides us that if there is something you cannot learn about, you cannot understand about, who should you ask? People who have that knowledge. So we see that every kind of instruction, knowledge, beneficial knowledge is in the Qur'an. This is why Allah says, وَعُلِّمْتُمْ مَا لَمْ تَعْلَمُونَ And there are some specific things which you cannot learn about from anywhere else. About our origin, where we have come from, about the Akhirah, Where are we going to? You know, you do learn about the fact that human beings did come from somewhere, right? Okay, and yes, we are headed to somewhere given the way that the earth is changing, right? But where exactly? Where did we come from? Where are we going? The Akhirah. All of that, you can only learn from where? From the Qur'an. سُوَعُلِّمْتُمْ مَا لَمْ تَعْلَمُوا You have been taught what you did not know. Antum you la and nor your forefathers. You never knew about these realities and your forefathers also never knew about these realities. illah say Allah. This is the answer to the question that was asked earlier. Which question was asked earlier? That Man Anzal al Kitab Musa Who revealed the book which Musa brought? So Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says tell them Allah. Allah is the one who revealed that book. سمذرهم, then leave them fi in their discourse يلعبون, amusing themselves they play leave them in their hold in their venture in their vain engrossment يلعبون, playing about what does it mean by hold to enter into water right and to stay in it so they have entered into a discourse, you know, being very intellectual in the way that they're talking about the Quran, oh it's not really from God, how do you know? And they present weird kind of arguments. Allah says, let them be. Leave them in their hold. And many times you'll find people debating about whether the Quran is true or not, whether the Prophet was true or not. And all that they're talking about is based on what? Their assumptions. Their thinking. Their limited knowledge. So Allah says leave them. ذَرْهُمْ خَوْضِهِمْ يلعبون. They're just playing about. Wahada and this Kitabun book, meaning this book the Quran and we have sent it down. Mubarak. And this Kitab, this book, it is Mubarak, it is blessed. What is Mubarak? One that has Baraka. One that is full of Baraka. And what is Baraka? Blessing. So this Qur'an is full of blessing, full of goodness. The goodness which only increases. It doesn't decrease, it only decreases. You know when you first put something sweet in your mouth, then what happens? You taste that sweetness. But then as you keep chewing it, right? then what happens? The sweetness, it grows. And eventually, obviously, it fades out because this is the reality of the things of this dunya. So for example, if there is a date, not a gum, you know, because you put them in your mouth, you chew them for two minutes, and that's it, the sweetness is all gone, the flavor is all gone. So a date, for instance. At the beginning, it's sweet. But as you keep it in your mouth, it becomes sweeter and sweeter. And by the time you swallow it, your mouth is like really, really sweet. Hmm? So the flavor only increases. And the Qur'an is just like that. That as you learn it, as you recite it, As you understand it, as you implement it, at the beginning you really enjoy it. But the deeper you go, the stronger your connection becomes with the Qur'an, the sweetness only increases. The benefit only increases and it grows. It is mubarak. Think about it. A person, he doesn't know anything. Doesn't know where he's going. Doesn't know what sincerity is. Doesn't know what Jannah is. As he studies the Qur'an, His love for Allah grows. His love for performing righteous actions grows. And then what happens? He hopes for Jannah. He strives to get to Jannah. And through the Qur'an, because of the Qur'an, he gets to Jannah where the blessings and enjoyment is endless. So if through the Qur'an, a person is able to get to Jannah, just imagine how mubarak this Qur'an is. How full of goodness and blessing this Qur'an is. Allah says, وَهَذَا كِتَابٌ أَنزَلْ مُبَارَكٌ This Qur'an that we have sent down, it is mubarak, it is blessed. It is full of blessings. Full of blessings, the blessings of which never ever end. They only continue. And if a person gets to Jannah, then the blessings obviously, they will never have any end. And this kitab, مُصَدِّق, it confirms the truthfulness of what الذي that which before it meaning the scriptures that were revealed before the Quran the Quran affirms their truthfulness that they were indeed from Allah and why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent this book ولتُنذِر not just so that you take blessing you seek blessing for yourself but so that you also warn you also warn with this book who people because many times when we approach the Quran we think about ourselves only I want to recite so that I can get rewards for every letter that I read. I want to memorize so that on the Day of Judgment, inshallah, I am honored and my parents are honored. Hmm? So we think about ourselves. Mubarak. right? We want to benefit ourselves. Yes, very good. But this Qur'an is also revealed so that you can warn. So that people can be informed. People can be told. Which people? Those who don't know. Alhamdulillah, you have been informed, but there's so many others who don't know. So, وَلِتُنذِرَ So that you can warn. And the Prophet ﷺ, he was required to warn who? al-Qura, Umm, Mother, Al-Qura of the towns. Al-Qura, plural of? قرية. قرية, town. Qura قرى, towns. So the mother of the towns. Mother doesn't mean like literally mother. It's a figurative expression. And mother... Basically, what does it mean? Origin. Because the child comes from who? What's the origin of the child? The mother. So Ummal Qura, the mother of the towns, the origin of the towns. Hmm? And which one is that? Mecca. Because in the Quran, what do we learn? In bi The first house The first building, the first structure that was ever built was where? In Mecca, in the city of Mecca. Think about it, Arabia was what? Abandoned. I mean, literally, there was hardly anybody over there. Just people who were nomads, right? Traveling from here to there in search of water and food, and that was it. But when the house of Allah was built, when Ibrahim built it with his son Ismail, then what happened? The tribe of Jurhum they came and settled over there. And then what happened? More people came. And as a result, now when you go, you won't find any place that's deserted and empty. And not just the people of Arabia, but we know that the Yahud also, they were required to come to the Karba and worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over there. It was when the Baytul al was constructed, then it is that they started going over there and they stopped going to Makkah. All right? So, Umm al-Qurah, The mother of the towns, meaning the origin. And it's called mother of the towns, Makkah. Why? Because the mother is what? The center. In the sense that the children, no matter where they go, they go back to the mother. Right? For example, if you're at an event, at a social gathering, and a woman comes with her four kids, for instance. One child is playing with friends, another child is trying to climb up a shoe rack, another child is running about in the masjid, and then what happens? When it's time for food or when somebody gets hurt, then who do they run to? Who do they go to? The mother. Right? Eventually when they're tired, they're hungry, they're thirsty, they need the washroom, they need a change of clothes, they got hurt, they will all run to the mother. Right? So, just like that, the people of the world, they all turn towards what? Towards which place? Towards which city? Makkah. When? In their salah. No matter where you are on this planet, whether you're in Alaska, or you are in Canada, or you're in Australia, or you're in Finland, no matter where you are, you have to face the mother of the towns. You have to face Makkah when you are performing Salah. And there are many other reasons why Makkah has been called Umm Al-Qura, but these two inshallah are sufficient for now. So the Prophet ﷺ is told that you are to warn the mother of the towns, meaning the people of Makkah. Why Makkah? Why was he required to warn the people of Makkah? Because remember that in Makkah, all the people would come. For hajj and also for their business. Alright? So as a result, the message would spread more quickly. More quickly. And this is exactly what happened. There were so many people who would come to Makkah to perform hajj and the Prophet ﷺ would go to Minna and he would call them to the worship of Allah alone. Some of them would believe, and when they would return to their families, to their towns, they would tell their people as well. Abu Huraira became a Muslim in this way. Hmm? He didn't come to Makkah to visit the Prophet ﷺ. No, somebody else came and informed him. He became Muslim. And when did he finally meet the Prophet ﷺ? In Medina. He did hijrah over there in Medina. That was much later. So, وَلِتُنْذِرَ أُمَّ الْقُرَىٰ وَمَنْ حَوْلَهَا And also those around it. Man, هُوْ Around it. Meaning, the Prophet ﷺ was required to deliver the message not just to the people of Makkah, but also those around Makkah. Those around Makkah. How far? All over the world. Okay? So مَنْ حَوْلَهَا refers to all of mankind. One of the unique qualities of the Prophet ﷺ was What? that he was sent as a messenger to all of mankind until the Day of Judgment. Now obviously he's not there anymore, so whose responsibility is it? Now, those who believe in the Qur'an, those who seek benefit from the Qur'an for themselves are also required to deliver the Qur'an to others. This is why Allah says, وَالَّذِينَ And those people who يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْآخِرَةِ يُؤْمِنُونَ They believe Akhirah In the hereafter, به, they believe in it those who have faith in the hereafter they believe in the Quran so who will believe in the Quran those who believe in the hereafter and also wa and they Allah upon him their prayers you have they guard they preserve so here the characteristics of the true believers in the Quran are mentioned two characteristics are mentioned of who? People who truly believe in the book of Allah. What are those two characteristics? First of all, they believe in the hereafter. And secondly, they guard their prayers. When I read this ayah, I was surprised. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, those who guard their prayers are those who believe in the Quran. And this means that if a person does not guard his prayers, is careless about his salah, then his belief, his Iman in the Quran is also not correct. there's something missing there. So what does it show? that the sign of Iman in the Quran is what? That a person becomes careful about his prayers. What does it mean by this? Guarding the prayers? you have alone from Allah Allah to preserve. What does it mean to preserve and guard the prayers? What comes to your mind when you hear? preserve and guard the salah. Yes. Okay. So first of all, being particular about the timings of salah. Because someone who guards their prayer, what does it mean? They pay a lot of attention to their salah. So when is it supposed to be performed? And when it's supposed to be performed, they pray. They don't delay unnecessarily. You have to They guard the salah. Because if they didn't guard the salah, what would they do? They would either miss it, Or leave it deliberately? Or delay it to the point that it's too late? Yes. Yes, a guard is attentive and alert. You know how many times there are some people who have to be constantly reminded about their salah. Right? Their mother has to ask them, did you pray dhuhr? And then their older sister has to ask them, did you pray dhuhr? And the father has to question them, did you pray your salah? Oh, I forgot. Oh, is it time? Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, I didn't remember. What does it mean that they don't care about salah? You know, if it's a nine-year-old kid or a ten-year-old kid who's developing the habit of performing salah, it makes sense that they have to be reminded, they have to be asked. But someone who's 15 years old, who's 18 years old, who's 20 years old, who's 25 years old, doesn't make sense that they have to be asked about every prayer, did you perform your prayer? Does it make sense? No. A sign of growing up is what? That you become particular about your prayers yourself. You don't have to be reminded and told all the time. you're half alone. If someone has to come and wake you up, then what does that show? You're not attentive about your prayers. Right? If you're waking up yourself, That means that you care about your salah. And if you have to be woken up, not just once, but twice and thrice, and four times and five times and sometimes ten times, to the point that the person who's trying to wake you up feels as though they're harassing you, then really there is a problem. So my dear sisters, let's grow up. Hmm? Let's not be like ten-year-old kids who have to be told every time, pray your salah. No. وَهُمْ عَلَى صَلَاتِهِمْ يُحَافِظُونَ This should come from within. And when does a person pray himself? He becomes careful about his salah when he has iman in the book of Allah. So as we study the book of Allah, if our salah is not improving, then there is a problem with our studying. There is a problem with our iman in the kitab. Because someone who benefits from the book of Allah, the first change that happens in their life is what? their salah improves. Because that's one of the first lessons that we learn in the Qur'an. In Surah Al-Fatiha, what do we learn? إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ How do we worship Allah? Through salah. Surah Al-Baqarah, the first lesson, what do we learn? الَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ وَيُقِيمُونَ salata. If we have not learned about guarding our prayers, then what have we learned? If we have not learned to become particular about our salah, then really what have we learned from the book of Allah? One of the first signs is what? وَهُمْ you have alone. So check yourself. How much do I have to be reminded? How much somebody else has to wake me up? I mean, sometimes it's normal that somebody has to wake you up so that you can pray. Because you're really exhausted, you missed the alarm. But if it's an everyday thing, Come on, how long will somebody wake you up? Eventually, there is going to be a time when somebody is not going to be there. You have to take responsibility for yourself. What's the sign of a grown-up? What's the sign of a grown-up? That they take responsibility of themselves. They don't depend on others anymore. You know like little children, if they have to eat, somebody has to pour food for them. But when you're an adult, what does it mean? That you pour food Yourself, that you get up and go get the food yourself but if somebody is babying you in your food with regards to your prayers then that means that you haven't grown up but we want all the benefits of grown ups I want a cell phone I don't want to be asked about where I'm going and when I'm coming and nobody needs to check my Facebook and nobody needs to check my email nobody needs to go through my phone because hey, I'm 18 years old I have a driver's license now I'm an adult. Hmm? So if you're really an adult, prove it with your salah. Prove it that you are responsible. So, وَهُمْ عَلَى صَلَاتِهِمْ يُحَافِظُونَ And يُحَافِظُونَ also includes being alert and attentive during the salah. Like a guard is attentive, pays attention, alert. So be alert in your salah. What are you saying? What are you doing? And يُحَافِظُونَ also includes preserving the reward of salah. Not that as soon as you say the salah, you start fighting with somebody. You start arguing with somebody. Hmm? Like some people, they're just literally speeding through the salah so that they can quickly say the salam and just give it to somebody. Yell at them or just say something to them or smack them or whatever they want to do. So what is this? Here, you complete your salah. May peace be upon you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. wa rahmatullah. May peace be upon you. And the next words that come out of your mouth... Why were you distracting me in salah? Why were you so loud? Don't you know you're not supposed to do that? What is this? What peace be upon you? Hmm? So here we perform the salah and here we waste it. وَهُمْ You have Guard the prayers. And in particular, salah has been mentioned. Why? Because it is the pillar of the deen. Right? As. deen. It is the pillar of the religion. It's one of the five pillars of Islam. So when a person will protect his salah, he will protect all other actions as well. So, Islam it begins with salah. You know, like some people say, yeah, you know, I'm not that particular about my prayers, but I try to be very polite with people. Okay. But until and unless you perform salah, your politeness doesn't matter that much. Salah is first and foremost. Because one of the first questions is going to be what? About? About what? About your salah. So, وَهُمْ عَلَى صَلَاتِهِمْ يُحَافِظُونَ Write this down for yourself on a piece of paper. Right? And stick it on your night table. So that in the morning when you're finding it difficult to get up, وَهُمْ عَلَى صَلَاتِهِمْ يُحَافِظُونَ Put it as your wallpaper on your phone or on your computer. All right? وَهُمْ ala salatihim So that when you're getting lazy, you remember. Put it in your kitchen, wherever you spend a lot of your time. ala salatihim Because sometimes we think, oh, I'm being so good. I'm listening to a friend who's in so much distress. You know, it's good to listen to people when they're in difficulty. But it's okay if my maghrib salah gets delayed half an hour. No way. Good to listen to others. But if you're neglecting your prayer, that righteousness doesn't have much value. Because one of the first requirements is salah. You know in Makkah, many things were not made mandatory. Fasting, zakat, hajj, all of these became mandatory where? When the Prophet ﷺ did hijrah to Medina. But salah became mandatory when? In Makkah. So it's one of the first things that we need to become particular and careful about. Let's listen to the
2: recitation. قُلْ مَنْ أَنزَلَ الْكِتَابَ الَّذِي جَاءَ بِهِ مُوسَى نُورًا وَهُدًى لِلنَّاسِ تَجْعَلُونَهُ قَرَاطِيسَ تُبْدُونَهَا وَتُخْفُونَ كَثِيرًا وَهَٰذَا كِتَابٌ أَنزَلْنَاهُ مُبَارَكٌ مُصَدِّقٌ الذي بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ وَلِتُنذِرَ الذي بَيْنَ يديه والذين يؤمنون بالآخرة يؤمنون به وهم على صلاتهم يحافظون.
0: What prevents us from being particular about our salah? Rather, what is it that disturbs our salah? Whether when it comes to its punctuality or, you know, paying attention during salah. Okay, laziness. Sometimes we're just lazy, and even though we're not busy, we just don't want to get up. We've slept enough, and Alhamdulillah, these days the nights are long, so you can really sleep a lot during the night. And it's not that you're really tired, no, you've slept enough, but still, we're just lazy. So then, Allahumma inni a'udhubika al ajzi al kasali. What else? Distractions We're too distracted Everything just seems so urgent and interesting That we just have to do it We just have to watch it We just have to listen to it We just have to read it We just have to check it There's so many distractions So what needs to be done? Limit those distractions You know for example Some people on their telephones They have an alert for everything Okay. Even if an email comes They have an alert so their phones are constantly going beep, beep, beep or ting ding, 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 something or the other. So they cannot focus on anything. And at the same time, everybody else around them is also getting disturbed and offended. Offended why? Because you can't even have a conversation with them without them looking at their phone every few minutes. So do something about those distractions. Sometimes when we're praying, our phone is buzzing and we can hear it. And we're like, okay, I wonder what's going on. I wonder who messaged me. And may Allah help you if you have alerts from your Facebook and your Twitter account. Really. Yes. Focus on like nothing but just yourself so that when you go pray salah, you can just focus. On that focus sun. stays. Yes. That don't be reading your you know email or a message or something until you say takbir. No. Put it down. Put your phone away. Give yourself a break. So that your mind can relax, and then you can perform salah with focus and attention. You know, we learned about Ibrahim He was hanif. Someone who was focused on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we need to develop this quality as well. And in general, it's a very, very important quality that you need to have. The ability to stay focused on something. When we're studying, we cannot be focused when we 're reading something on the internet, we cannot be focused right? why? because there are advertisements and you know things all over the place yes
1: so, so recently, I found myself like um, i don 't know like I feel like I was getting really addicted to facebook like i 'd be checking it a lot per day, and i 'd be wasting a lot of time on it, so I deactivate it periodically, so it kind of cleanses me from. Feeling like I need to check it all yes. the time and feeling like I need to get updates on everyone's lives, I really don't. And now that I have it deactivated, it's like a blessing. It's like I don't have to check it, right? <laughs> I can do something else. Like, and I feel like I'm more productive. And another thing I'm trying is, like, um, I read this somewhere, like, um, how to use your time more efficiently. So I don't go on the computer after 10, <laughs> because if I like before bed. Because if I do, I'd end up on the computer, like, For an hour, two hours. Because it's so like, you know, you watch videos, you go on Facebook, you check your email, right? One thing leads to the other and then it's hard to wake up for fajr. So, like before bed, I just try to read some Quran and just go to bed.
0: In your bed, like read a book. Not an article from the internet. Okay, because if you're reading that, then you'll Google something and then you'll come across something interesting and that'll waste so much of your time. Alright? And what you mentioned about deactivating, sometimes you really need to give yourself a break. So if there are certain apps on your phone, maybe a news one, and you find yourself reading it every now and then, delete it for a few days. Okay? Similarly, if you think that Facebook is really distracting you, deactivate it for a few days. I'm not saying forever, for a few days. Just so that you break that habit, and then inshallah, after some time you can start again. Yes. Assalamu alaikum. I remember one of the good imams, I don't know if it's Ibn Taymiyyah or uh, Iba, uh, Imam Ibn al-Ghaym, he said for the servant of Allah, two seen, one in dunya and one in akhira, two standing in front of Allah. You stand in front of Allah in dunya while you praying. And if it's fixed, it's so good in dunya, it will be so good in akhira. Right. The way you stand before Allah now is how you will stand before him that day?
1: I was just thinking how in today's day and age, we feel like, okay, we have to have this account or we're like the outsiders. But compared to the prophets or compared to even our parents, they didn't have these accounts. And having all these things around us, having all this technology around us, it affects our development as well. And because children at such a young age, they're having all these things around them all the time and having TV on all all the time or having computers on all the time, it's making their um, attention span a lot shorter. So even now, like... We won't be able to sit through a two-hour class, and it's, we have to text somebody or we have to talk to somebody. But compared to well, just a couple of years before, 50, 60 years before, people could sit through things that were five, six, seven hours long, and they didn't have these problems. Yes. And because we have these things around us now, yeah. it's affecting
0: us. Very true. All right, one comment or question? Go ahead.
1: Rather so, uh, than it as a burden, rather than it being a blessing. So then, what I started to do was kind of. Fix, make my schedule Salah and then fit my daily things inside of my Salah rather than me doing it the opposite way. Yes. Because I'd always be like, okay, no, I have school, I have volunteering, I have this, I have that. And then I'd feel a void. Like I'd feel, okay, all this work I'm doing, there's no meaning to it. So when I put my Salah first and make that my schedule, I feel much more at ease when I do my other things rather than it me focusing on something else.
0: Very true. That one is that a person's priority is Salah and the other is that the priority is something else so wal ladhinahum ala salatihim yuhafidhun What does it mean that their priority is Salah? subhanak allahumma bihamdik nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh